glad you're with us to join us for this series of messages that we're walking through portions of the book of Revelation. We launched this last weekend on Easter Sunday with this incredible vision of who Jesus is as he presented himself to the beloved disciple and apostle John. And this series of messages we're calling Endgame, Marvel Keeps Trying to Steal My Thunder, and with the new Avengers movie and... um, Unlike the movie, uh, I can't help but give you a spoilers, not having to do with the movie, but with about the end of, uh, of all things. And that is, as we discussed last week, that Jesus is going to win, that he's holding the keys to death and to hell itself, and that he's come to set us free, that he's come to meet you right where you are and to show you a glorious future. As we walk through the series, we're looking at these kind of promises, the start that never finished, the church never defeated, the song never silenced, the battle never fought, the city never shut, and the face never hidden. This is what we get to explore in what is the least explored book of the Bible because it's so intimidating. But when we catch that vision of who Jesus is and we see a glimpse of where He's taking us, we get to experience the renewed reality of what does it mean to be the church. I've been a pastor for over 20 years. In other words, I've been a pastor longer than the high school seniors that we're celebrating today have been alive. It's kind of depressing, actually. And I've gotten to serve in a variety of different places. I've served in the New York City area. I've served down in Texas and over in Southern California. And of course, now in the great state of Georgia. And in each of those different places, there are things that I love about the communities in which we lived. And then there are things that I didn't care for. And There were things that I loved about the church that I was privileged to serve in that community, and there were things about that church that wasn't so great. All of them except for Peachtree, of course. Everything at Peachtree is perfect. (laughs) And when you think about it, when Jesus turns his attention to the church, to the present, to the here and now, and giving direct messages to them, if God was speaking directly to them and speaking to us, there are things that he says of commendation. There are things that he says of condemnation. In other words, he's speaking the truth in love. There are things that he can affirm, and there are things that he needs to admonish. And so we're going to see this as we walk through it today. When you think of the map of the Apostle John and the churches that he was privileged to serve and to know and to love, He's imprisoned as he receives the revelation on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, and now what is in Asia Minor or Turkey, these different churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. These are the churches that Jesus has a direct message for, messages of commendation and condemnation. But Jesus is still in the midst of these churches. And we're going to look first at the church in Ephesus. This was the Apostle John's home church. This is the church that he brought Mother Mary to. Imagine singing Christmas carols with Mary in attendance and worship. The church in Ephesus was absolutely thriving. It's one of the most incredible archaeological wonders of the world today, religious or non-religious, people who come to Ephesus are blown away by the magnitude of the city. It was a city of great commerce. It was a port city. It was one of the kind of most important thriving business centers of the world. And the church in the midst of that was thriving as well. 
Everything looked great. Everything, all the finances, everything for the church were fantastic. And yet Jesus says this, yet I hold this against you, Ephesus. You have forsaken the love that you first had. In other words, they're doing all of the right things. And yet in spite of this, all the spark, the passion, the love, it's all gone. I want to introduce you this morning to a woman by the name of Samantha Burns. This is her picture on her wedding day in her wedding dress. And that was such a glorious day. But this conviction began to rise within her after her wedding day, which is, why is it that we buy the most expensive article of clothing that we're ever going to wear? We only wear it once and then we never wear it again. And so she decided that she was going to engage in wearing her wedding dress every year on the occasion of her anniversary. And so on the next year, this is her eating chocolate chip pancakes in her wedding dress. (laughs) On the next year, this is her playing golf (laughs) in her wedding dress. She's only been married for about four years now, and so she realizes that over time she may have to tailor the dress, she may have to alter the dress, it may be complicated if they happen to have a child, but she not only said yes to the dress once, she's saying yes to the dress every single year. You and I find out at the end of the book of Revelation that you and I, the church, is the bride of Christ. And that invitation is not something that's meant to be a one-time transactional, glad we've got that covered kind of experience. We're supposed to keep saying yes to being clothed in Christ's righteousness? Have you forsaken the love that was first there when you heard that call of God, when you, when you knew his voice? Don't let go of that passion. Don't let go of that love, Jesus is saying. I'm right here. And so that's the church at Ephesus. And the next church that we want to look at on the map is the church that is Smyrna. And in order to do this, I've elicited some help from some of our seniors. And so Hayden's going to come forward. Can we give a good Peachtree welcome to Hayden to come with us? Hayden, I'm so glad that you've chosen to help us with our message today. Where are you in high school for the next couple of weeks? Uh, I go to Mount Vernon Presbyterian School, which is in Sandy Springs. All right. And you are going to go where to college? I'll be attending at the the Citadel, which is in Charleston, South Carolina. Fantastic. Any Citadel fans here? Yeah, there's there's a couple. Yeah. Thought so. And obviously, military uh, direction, uh, which branch of the armed forces are you looking towards? I'm going to focus on Navy. All right. How about any Navy people? Any Navy people in the room? Yeah. So... um, I believe that, uh, that, that it's really important when you're thinking about the armed forces to pick bases based on what their potential locations are like. You know, Air Force bases, Army bases, they're often in the middle of nowhere strategically. And so Navy bases are along the water. I think you've done really well. That was very wise. Um, how long have you been coming to Peachtree, and do you have any kind of early memories of Peachtree? I've been coming to Peachtree um, since preschool. I went to school, preschool here and um, got baptized and confirmed here. Um, a memory I'd say is when I was little, my mom always tells me the stories. I used to be a big crier. Mm-hmm. And so whenever they'd take me to the, uh, the, 
the youth uh, kids thing, my mom would warn them. They'd be like, oh, he's fine, like, no big deal. And five minutes into church, they'd have to come get me. Yeah. <laughs> when did this stop? No comment. Okay. So you're not only going to go into the military, you're going to go into politics, is what you're telling me. So, um, well, speaking of, speaking of crying, uh, the, the church in Smyrna is the only church that doesn't receive a condemnation. And the, and the reason for that is that this church is being put through the ringer. They are experiencing incredible amounts of persecution. In fact, the term that they use to describe the church in Smyrna, and by the way, this is not the Smyrna that's just on the other side of the Chattahoochee River. This is a different Smyrna. And um, the term that they use is actually this term of flipsis, which is, I know your afflictions, or I know the crushing pressure that you're under. Have you ever had to walk alongside someone who was experiencing immense pressure? Yes, sir. So my best friend who I'm very close to and I've gone to church with, uh, he recently lost a close friend of his. And when we were hanging out, he took me aside and told me this. And he was questioning his faith with God. And he was wondering why he couldn't understand why this was happening to him. But through this moment, I was able to see it as a privilege because he wanted to tell me. Mm -hmm. And that it brought me and him closer as friends. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus is addressing the Christians in Smyrna, he tells them two things. He says, do not be afraid and to be faithful. What do you think the relationship is between fear and faith for those who are going through those hard times? So in my future and um, with the career and path I want to take, risk, is, risk will be involved mm -hmm. and death will be one of those risks. And whenever I think about fear and faith, I always think of Psalm 23, 4 which is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So how has your faith been transformed or changed by, by coming alongside your friend? So seeing him struggle through this, I was able to still notice that his faith with God ended up strengthening. And this encouraged me and built my strength. I mean, I mean built my relationship with God. And it showed me that no matter what, he loves me and he will always be with me. Mm -hmm. So the next church that Jesus addresses is the church in Pergamum, um, which is a term which means parchment, uh, kind of like parchment of paper. I want to show you a picture of what the theater in Pergamum is like. I mean, it is high on a hill. It is an absolutely glorious uh, ruin and, and location. And, and what Pergamum or parchment was known for uh, was being a place of great ideas. They were a church that had one of the greatest ancient libraries in history. They, um, they had over 200,000 scrolls at the time in the library when Jesus was giving this revelation to John. And, and so it was this pantheon of ideas and, and, and and, and it's, it's kind of this idea of you going off to college, you're about to go off to a pantheon of ideas. We hope that you're going to spend at least a little time in the library. And how do you, um, how do you follow the words of Jesus and what he says to this Christian community in the midst of all the swirling ideas and says, remain true to my name? How do you do that? So through the chaos in college, Trust the process and know that no matter what, God is with you, that He will be there with you and He will guide you and love you. So, what are the, so if you're trusting God and trusting His plan for your life, 
how do you, how do you tactically do that? What are the kinds of things that you can do in order to try to remain true? So in the chaos, pause and take a moment and reflect on all the things he's been faithful to you for and just be grateful for and always thank him. I think it is important, especially as as busy as the college experience can be, and it goes by so quickly. It feels like the first semester lasts forever, and then, and then like college, it, you blink and it's and it's done. Um, it's important to be able to pause and reflect, and and to be grateful for what you've been given. In fact, one of the images that he tells the church at Pergamum, one of the images he gives, which I absolutely love, is he says that God has provided for you this hidden manna. In other words, there are these little glimpses of His nourishment that He has daily given to you that may not be known to you and it may not be known to anybody else. As you look back on your life, can you see some sources of hidden manna in your own life? With me being adopted and something I've been able to notice recently was I was chosen. And I was chosen by two parents who loved me unconditionally. And this was a blessing from God that I'm unbelievably grateful for. And it's something that I'll never let go and I will never stop thanking Him for. The, the image of being adopted is the greatest biblical image that we have of God's unconditional love and grace for us. And as someone who has been adopted and received that kind of love, that is a little daily bit of his hidden manna for you. Can we, can we thank Hayden for helping us with today's message? So the next church that Jesus addresses is the church at Thyatira. And boy, everything seems to be going great in the church of Thyatira. There's lots of good news. There's lots of things to celebrate in their faithfulness and their goodness and their, and their good deeds. And yet in the midst of this, Jesus says this. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, um, what this basically means, because Jezebel is an Old Testament allusion here in the New Testament for the most evil queen in all of Israelite history. In other words, they're tolerating evil instead of addressing evil. They're accommodating evil. They're made a truce with evil. They're putting up with evil instead of eradicating evil, confessing evil. I think a helpful analogy with this is a story I read uh, about a family back in the 90s. True story, they decided to get a pet, and the pet that they decided to get was a snake. I don't know why any family would choose to do this, but they got, they got a, a snake, and it was about a foot long, and oh, they loved that snake. Well, the snake was a Burmese python, and so it didn't stay a foot long. They kept feeding the snake, and the snake grew to over 12 feet long. It weighed over 80 pounds. And they noticed that the snake was becoming more and more aggressive and more and more agitated. But they didn't do anything about the snake until, tragically, a boy had to die because they didn't address the snake that was in their own home. And we can look at those people and look down on them. It's not a very good pet decision, and it had tragic consequences, but is it any different from the way that you and I make a truce with the snakes in our lives, truce in our marriage, truce in our workplaces and our calls where we accommodate 
instead of addressing what God has given to us. We're not supposed to tolerate evil. We're supposed to address it, to eradicate it, to confess it, and to receive the grace of God. So that's the church in Thyatira. And the next church we have is the church in Sardis. And we have another high school senior who's going to help us with this. Can you give another Peachtree welcome to Caroline? Thank you, Caroline, for helping us. And um, tell us where you are going to go to high school for just a little bit more. Woodward Academy. Two days left. Two days left? Oh, my goodness. Do you have any more exams in those two days, or are you like... Completely done on Tuesday. You're completely done. What's been your favorite class at Woodward? My jewelry class. (laughs) All those tuition dollars in your favorite class is jewelry making. Can you show us some of the bling that you've brought with you today? Two rings on, and my mom's probably wearing some, so... Nice. Well, believe it or not, when I was in junior high, I took a jewelry making class, and... um, um, it's a true story here, and, uh, and I lost my man card, but it's a true story. And, uh, and I made a, a ring for my, uh, my junior high girlfriend, and uh, I recently got that ring back. She mailed it back to me just a couple of years ago. She's been holding on to it all those years, pining and waiting for me to come to my senses, and uh, she has finally given up on me. So, um, in, in the midst of all of that, uh, I, I'm sure we're supposed to talk about the sermon here, so let me get back to, <laughs> back to task here. Um, so, what's one of your favorite activities outside of school? I really like going on the belt line and walking around Chastain with all my friends. Mm-hmm. And what does Peachtree mean to you? Peachtree to me is pretty much my whole life. I got baptized here, I grew up in student ministry. And I've just made so many of my best friends I know I'm going to have for life. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk in the doors, I just come into open arms and know that no one's going to judge me and I can be myself. The church that we're going to talk about is the church in Sardis. This is the, the shortest message that Jesus has. It's kind of the most to the, the point. And, and it looks great on the outside, but on the inside, uh, Jesus says, just frankly, you're dead. And so the command that he gives to them over and over again is to wake up, to wake up, to wake up. Has there been a moment in your life when you've had to wake up? There was. It was my freshman year at Rutledge, and it was fun and games night, and so everyone was energized, hyped up, and we went in for worship, and everyone put that energy into worshiping God, and this overcoming feeling of calmness, and there was just this voice telling me that it's okay, like, you can follow me, I got your back. There, like, I have a path for you, and just follow him. What was, what was going to church like? What was faith like for you before you kind of had this awakening? It was my parents would come in on Sundays mornings, wake me up, tell me it's time to go to church. That's I, so rude. <laughs> I would roll out of bed, come to see my friends, and I wouldn't really come to learn more about God and mm-hmm. hear his word. And coming after that Rutledge experience really just changed that. So, so one of the things that Jesus talks about is remaining alert, to stay alert. How do, how do you stay awake and watchful now? I get to school 30 or 20 minutes before, and I sit in my car, and I have an app on my phone called First Five, and it's a devotion, and I just read that, and it just starts my day off on such a better note. 
and it just gives you that like inspiration and I've noticed that when I don't read it my day is just always worse and I also have another app called Sprinkle of Jesus where it just sends me random little notes of inspiration and quotes from the Bible and it also just helps me keep going through the day. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. You said Sprinkle of Jesus? Yes. Why I didn't think of this, I don't know. Uh, it, it is important to calibrate at the beginning of your day. Your day is different when you are mindful towards His Word and His will, uh, His love for us. And then we do need those reminders throughout the, the course of the day for it. Um, the next church that Jesus addresses in the book of Revelation is, is the church in Philadelphia. This is different from the city of Philadelphia where like, you know, the Phillies and the Eagles and all that kind of stuff. Very different uh, Philadelphia here. It's known as the city of brotherly love. Um, it, it clearly is the church that Jesus delights in the most in terms of you can just see the radiating joy. Um, there's no but this have I against you. It's a beat, it's positive, and his command to them is to, is to keep on going. Um, and so he's telling them to hold on in the midst of difficult circumstances. Has there been a moment in your life when you've had to hold on? There was. It was actually this past year in the college process. I've grown up being an Auburn fan. I've always thought I was going to go there, and I wouldn't have any difficulty getting in. And when the time came, I got deferred. And for me, that was like one of very, very difficult. And I had to look at myself and say, like, there is a plan for me, even though I don't know it right now. His plan might be for me to go to Auburn, or it might not be, but whatever happens is what's best. And I did get in, War Eagle, and that's where I'll be attending next year. She just had to slide that right in, yeah. Yes. Um, so in the, midst, in the midst of the church having to hold on, Jesus, he has these tender words. He says, I know you only have a little bit of strength. And um, so I imagine that you feel like you didn't have much strength when you were having to hold on. What, what do you do in those moments when you don't have enough strength on your own? You have to like, look at yourself, and even though it might be hard to tell you that he's always there. And you're going to go through hard times, but it's going to get better. And his plan for you is much better than what you, have, what you think you have for yourself. And you just have to keep, keep looking up and looking at him. There is this image that, and it's one of the most fantastic images that he has in the whole book, is this image of an open door that no one can shut. What does that promise mean to you? To me, that means that he's always, since he's always there, and people are going to try and close that door for you, but you just have to keep on your track and keep going and stay focused, and that no matter what, that door is open, even though others might seem closed. Can we thank Caroline for helping us with today's message? The last church in the seven churches of Revelation is the church of Laodicea. And this is the, the most famous of all of the churches because this is the lukewarm church where I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. Um, I loved this uh, satire piece from The Onion uh, that was saying this. Um, it, was, it was like spinoff of a news article that was actually true about Starbucks and how their sales go down when the temperature is just right. So like when it's really cold, people want their hot coffee, and when it's really hot, people want their iced frappuccino milkshake, 
And, um, and so we love our hot coffee, we love our cold coffee, but when the temperatures are in their 60s and 70s, their sales go down. And, and so The Onion did this fake advertising campaign with Starbucks, the tepid roast, the best part of your day. Does, does anybody want to buy tepid coffee? Of course not. You want it hot or you want it cold, but nobody wants the coffee tepid. Well, the, in this analogy of the church being lukewarm, what, um, what's interesting to me is, is that we know this image. This is one of the more famous images in the book of Revelation, but we don't know why we're lukewarm. Let me read the whole passage for you. I know your deeds, that you were neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, the reason that the church at Laodicea is lukewarm is that they're self-satisfied. They, they think that they're fine. They think everything's okay. Recently, I heard the director of the United Way in Atlanta say this. He said, for those of us who grew up in affluence, we have kids that are born on third base, making their way towards home. And our biggest challenge is convincing them that they didn't get to third base on their own. But then there are other children who are still in the dugout that have to be convinced to even be able to play the game. When we grow up with such abundance and plenty, one of the things is is that we can think, we did this all ourselves, we got here all on our own. When the reality is we had help and we've got our own problems and we've got our own struggles and we need to be honest And without that, we'll live tepid lives as opposed to being hot or cold just as the occasion dictates. I wonder if in these seven messages today to the church a long time ago, these historic churches that that John knows and loves in Turkey, I I wonder if there was a little message for you in that a little word of commendation, of encouragement, or a little message of condemnation, a warning for you and me. I believe that Jesus is still speaking, still speaking to His churches, and that He, as we learned in the first chapter of Revelation, is in the midst of the church. And even though it looks like the church may be floundering or falling apart, that Jesus is building up a church that will not only never be forsaken, it will triumph in the end. Let's pray together. Our gracious, loving Father, we're incredibly grateful for your sacred promises, for the words of warning, the truth that you have to speak into our lives, as well as the words of encouragement to strengthen us. Lord, help us to recognize what we need to hear from you Thank you for these seniors, God, for the midst of their faithfulness. We pray that as they head off to college, that you will go before them, that you will make them dangerous for your kingdom, that you will embolden them to know of your great love and to live out of the reality of your faithfulness. We thank you for your blessed assurance. 
and the promises that you've entrusted to each and every one of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.